Hey everyone, Josh here. Quick question for you. Do you like coffee? Even more important question, do you like fresh coffee? Coffee that's roasted to order and doesn't taste like the bottom of your kitchen oven. If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you need to head over to McQuanoCoffee.com and get yourself some of the best coffee there is to get. Whether you like the light roast or the dark roast or you're feeling a little whimsical and you want to get that sample pack, McQuano Coffee Roasters has everything you need. And just when you thought this couldn't get any sweeter, make sure to use the promo code REFORMATORY to get 20% off all bagged coffee. Do yourself a favor and stop drinking bad coffee because you know what? Life's too short for that. Head on over to McQuanoCoffee.com and use the promo code REFORMATORY to get 20% off all bagged coffee. You will not regret it. Thanks, and now on to the show. What's wrong with you people? How do y'all feel this morning? Why do you always make me define what you meant? What? That's how I feel. I don't know why you're clapping. I'm talking about you. Hello and welcome to the Reformatory, the podcast for the local church, by the local church. My name is Josh Loftus, and I'm with my man, the myth, the bearded legend, Jack Berry. I don't know about that. What's up, baby? Cue the Stone Cold Steve Austin theme song. You are all about, okay, what is with your infatuation with Stone Cold, man? Because I swear you bring him up every like third episode. There's something about... It's because you're a vet. That's why. It's part of the Brojack ethos. I'm giving Josh a very dirty look it's right now. It's part of the Brojack it ethos. It is not. John Cena. T- no. And, I don't like John Cena. And Stone Cold Steve Austin. No, those two are very two different pro wrestlers, to be quite honest. Steve Austin did not give a hoot and a holler about anybody. I don't know. Steve Austin has this kind of like man of the people vibe to him. Cracking beers, pouring it over himself, you know. Salt of the earth kind of people. Salt. <laughs> oh my goodness. Steve Stone Cold. Salt of the earth. You know, just a regular guy. You take away all the millions, take away all the fans, all the endorsements, all of the he, houses. He's just a regular guy. You know? I will, he has his very big faults. <laughs> but... Um, the dude, I just remember growing up watching pro wrestling, and his entrance video was you knew that crap was about to go down when you heard that crash of glass and that just menacing theme song come on. It's like Stone Cold is gonna stun every single person in that ring and he's gonna crack beer and pour it all over himself. <laughs> he is he is a manly dude. I will give you that. He is he is the epitome of of kind of you look at him and you're like yeah that's a man, and <laughs> and I'm not. You know um, what he was? His first debut was 1990, I think it was. Wow, and he was called Stunning Steve Austin. Stunning, and he had a Ric Flair type of regalia oh. on, and he had long hair and a ponytail. Oh yeah, he got rid of that look real and quick. And he got rid of that quick and just went to the straight Texas rattlesnake kind of attitude we see now. Well, today, I so. would much rather much rather be watching the manliness of stone cold steve austin 
than what I'm being forced to watch right now. <laughs> and it is the Portland Timbers versus I think Chelsea is, FC it or is something like that. Soccer. <laughs> a bunch of crew cut models out there. Like kicking a ball around. Like, dude, I can't stand soccer. You know, I, I just can't. Here's do the it, thing. Dude. I it played so- I played soccer since I was about five years old. How are we friends? Because uh, we are, Josh. Uh, I played soccer since I was five years old. And I will say this. When you are in the competitive uh, select team status and then also go into the high school status, dude, you will get punched in the ribs. You will get slide tackled with the cleats up. You will get punished in a game sometimes. Don't try to make soccer not, manly. I'm just saying this. The MLS is completely different. Like they completely. Because I literally just watched a dude. They're drama queens. I in literally. MLS. I'll say that watched right up dude. Front. He got bumped in the shoulder. He fell down, looked around, and then started like crying because it's all drama, bro. It's all drama. I, look at this dude. Because you're trying. Because you're trying to get. It's a chess game, right? So. And then they like pretend to like get in fights where like nothing actually happens. Like like okay, you're watching hockey. A fight breaks out. A freaking fight breaks out. People are throwing okay. down here. They just get in each other's face and throw like hair lotion at each Last, other. Like okay, that's all on. that happens. Last Sunday, yeah, I went to my wife and I went to our my sister in law's new place in Queen Anne in Seattle. There's like Spendy. this. There's like this. Uh, this upward climb all the way to this park that overlooks Seattle, and you can see where the Kraken are gonna play. And I'm like, when hockey goes down, we're staying at your house. We're oh, staying yeah. at your place. You understand this, right? Oh yeah. And she's like, yeah, absolutely. Because you can literally walk to the hockey rink. I love hockey, and dude. I no joke. The first hockey match I went to, it was a guy. His last name was Christ. Oh boy! And he threw down. Did and he toss he some tables? Whooped this dude's butt yes. in this fight. It was in Wenatchee. It was the Wenatchee Wild game, dude. When okay, they had that. so I went. So it wasn't Wenatchee. It, my, the first um, <clears throat> hockey match that I actually went to physically was for uh, my bachelor's party. Oh, actually, we, we went to Spokane. Yeah, uh, and watched hockey, and it came down to a shootout. Yeah, which is like all good hockey matches come down to a shootout. Yeah, and uh, Spokane won. Um, I love watching hockey, dude. Hockey's like, intense. Hockey's intense. It is so that fun. That is the ultimate sport, I think, in my mind. You really? are mixing hand-eye coordination. You are mixing so many levels of balance and finesse and grace and also raw, just brute force all into one sport. It's pretty epic. I think hockey's It's hard pinnacle. to argue. Yeah, ho- pretty high, pretty high up as a pinnacle of a sport. It so. is, it is, yeah. And, and you get wooden sticks. That's right. I'm surprised they don't beat each other with them. Well, there's there's <laughs> out like out there's right. like hockey protocol. Yeah. There's like an unwritten rule. Like yeah. like you know like I, I mean it, it's the same in baseball. You know when the bench is cleared, nobody's going out there with a bat. Yeah. Right. Like it's just fisticuffs. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. Uh, and I love. Like if a hot if a fight does not break out in a hockey game, yeah. I'm I'm very disappointed. Yeah, because I feel I like that's part of what I pay for. Yeah, you know, like it would be like but it's kind of like the soccer matches where you get the hooligans, and if a riot doesn't happen after a soccer match, I would not on, pay you know? money to go see <laughs> soccer. I'm sorry, even if somebody gave me free tickets to go say so- see soccer, I'd be like, well, I mean, do they have like I don't know good fries because. <laughs> Like I'm just gonna watch a bunch of models run around and like pretend to be hurt, hurt their their shins. 
and I don't need that. Like it's just I hate soccer so much. I'm I'm making somebody really mad right now. Yeah. Like, I guarantee you. You are. And they're all like, "Oh, you masculine, masculine idiot, male, male privilege." Toxic masculinity. Yeah. Okay, fine. I'll take it. If toxic masculinity means that I hate soccer, sure. Consider me toxic. Whatever. I don't care. I will say it is electrifying during the World Cup time when when America is on the stage and it's like, you know America can whoop everybody else. If, if, Do on. we, though? If, I feel like like Colombia comes out no, there no, 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 and no, no, kicks no. our can. We... The men's soccer team is terrible, but the women's soccer team will whoop people. That's bad. true. The women's has been very consistently they much better are than the men's. Amazonians. Oh they my gosh. are Amazonians. Amazonians playing soccer. Okay. Oh, good gracious. Josh, what we got? What we got cracking today? In what, this, dude, uh, in so what, what we're cracking today is the importance of masculinity in the church no it's <laughs> oh not another not another episode on this no bro. no no the uh it's actually the importance and uh the importance of raising up future leaders uh-huh. of the church yep. within the church yep and how it's vital if you are in church leadership or you're in the local church to be having the mindset and the mentality and the uh the culture, if you will, yeah. of constantly looking and evaluating the gifts of your congregation for mm-hmm. the betterment of the church. Yeah, we aren't talking just pastors. Yeah, or just elders. Right. This extends to both men and women, looking to see how God has gifted them individually, and yeah. how they can be put into positions that benefit the local church. Because that's why. God gave us spiritual gifts. Yeah. It's to benefit his people, right? To benefit the church. That's why we have them. Everybody has different gifts, mm-hmm. right? God gives everyone, I believe, I believe every Christian has at least one, right? And 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 that is meant to specifically serve the church and better the church and, uh, you know, increase, uh, not increase, but um, um, help, help, uh, take the church more more in line with the missions of the church right which is to proclaim the gospel of christ and to be a minister to the people and to the world right so it's important that we have this mentality and this culture within our churches because something that i have noticed and and of course it's not in it's not in churches all over the place but there seems to sometimes be a lack of awareness or a lack of desire Mm. to be constantly evaluating and searching for those people within within the church. Yeah. Yeah, I think that is a huge thing. Um, you know, we talk about legacy all the time in churches, mostly. That is like kind of like a cornerstone in which people talk about legacy and all those other things. But it's like, if you don't have a, a, a process put into place and you are a pastor who's, I would say, over 40 at this point, you better hurry up. You better hurry up and start developing other men to come into the pulpit, either train them up. Somehow, there's so many different training opportunities to train up men to preach and teach. I would say a great resource is Simeon Trust, Charles Simeon Trust. They do a great job of teaching um, qualified men who are either pastors or deacons or elder candidates how to teach the Word of God expositionally. 
And then they also come at it from a great way. You have Michael Lawrence, who was part of Nine Marks, and then you have David Helm, who's a Presbyterian. <laughs> I love and, it, dude. They, love it. Man. Love my Presby brothers and sisters. Yo, he 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 messed with us on one. We actually had like the first in-person Charles Simeon Trust event happen uh, last year. And, you know, we were following guidelines for all of you who are a little bit more on the cautious side. We were following guidelines and everything like that. And, but man, it was such a time where it's like, they weren't focused on the content. They were just like, how are you going to come at this? So they were focused more on your study time and what your sermon outline was going to be. And dude, it was like American Idol or The Voice (laughs) of preaching, dude. You got put into these little groups and then you just got... That was great. That sucked. This is why it sucked. It was all in gentleness and love. It wasn't like... Like they didn't have the Simon Cowell How there. dare you? <laughs> <laughs> you call that preaching? Uh, no, they didn't have that. But it was so good. It was so encouraging. There were so many different churches in the area that were represented, both on the Pado and Credo kind of lines of baptism. And it was just a good time of fellowship. So... I think if you're a pastor and not seeking out events to train men like that, or even start on your own journey to be like walking through those nine marks books with men starting now, like time now, you are going to be in crisis mode very, very soon, I would say. Yeah. And I I think it starts with kind of that mentality that you were kind of talking about is that you're you're not going to be here forever. Yep. Right? This yep. church that you are a leader of is not y- your church, right? Yeah. It's the church of Christ, right? Uh, and it's 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 interesting, I think, when some leaders kind of get into this, I don't know if it's like a tunnel vision, um, but something kind of creates this, this feeling like, oh, you know, I'm just going to... I'm going to basically kind of be here forever. Yeah. And there's this sense of ownership of that role that I think goes a little too far. Yeah. Um, into it, it goes from being very diligent and um, intentional about caring for the role that God has given you mm-hmm. to being jealous of it and not planning for the future when God calls you out of that role. Right. Because um, most, most guys aren't pastors until they die. Some are, some are, but but I mean, often, you know, you get to a point to where you need to retire and you need to step yep. back either yep. for like just mental reasons. Right. Or physical, like you're just tired. Yeah. Right. I mean, ministry takes a toll and possible burnout. Yeah. Burnout, you know, whatever the case is, there's going to be times and it's going to happen sooner or later when you aren't able to effectively lead the church like you once were. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. Yeah. Like I think, I think a lot of guys see that as just kind of like the worst possible thing that could happen. Yeah. And that's not necessarily true. Yeah. I mean, everyone runs their course, right? Everyone runs their race and then you finish it. And that's usually nine times out of 10, a thing to be celebrated and, and be excited for. Yeah. But you need to understand that that is going that is going to happen mm-hmm. and you're not Superman. You're not going to be just doing this forever. You need to be constantly, I believe, looking at the individuals in your church yeah. that God has brought there for a reason and evaluating, okay, who here is or could be a potential candidate to help lead this church 
forward after I'm done. Yeah, it's right? interesting. I'll give you a good example that's maybe not a church, but it's a parachurch ministry that is definitely trying to root itself within the local church. I got a shout out to Jason and Chris over at Summit Initiative, but they are focused in on basically how do you craft and understand God's story within your own story of salvation, kind of like a biblical theology kind of understanding, but a little bit more personalized. And so, um, you know, Jason has been saying, I can't do this on my own. I got to replicate. I got to train other guys and people to be trainers of this training that we have to reach out to service members and everything else. And so, I think that's been a good model for me to see like he sees that he's not God and he is very finite. <laughs> and so how does he replicate? Well, he replicates by training up people through a training event, through training events, and then he's going to send them out and scatter them. But also making sure that I think this was great too. He said, I'm not here to create multiple copies of Jason. I'm here to create people who can do the work and personalize it and it makes it so unique and they own it and that is a hugely important thing to remember yeah is that your job is not to create whether you're bringing people into the eldership or whether you know women uh, are, are cultivating other women to take over ministries yeah uh within the church right right yeah. whatever ministries those are counseling or care or, or you know teaching you know things like that yeah your job isn't to make that individual you yeah Exactly. Because they're not you. Yeah. God has gifted them in different ways, and God has given them different experiences and given them different, uh, you know, different different ways of doing things, and and that's not a bad thing, right? So you need to make sure that as as you are engaging this, say, okay, we realize we need to, we realize we're not cultivating leaders. We need to start doing that. So let's start doing that. Let's start yeah. evaluating and 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 you know talking to these individuals and bringing them in, you know, into the fold and start discipling them. Remember that. Your job is not to <laughs> make them a miniature version of you yeah. so that they think like you do, they yeah. act like you do, they make decisions like you do, they preach just like you do, they teach just like you, right? That's not that's not what you're supposed to do. Yeah. You're supposed to see the gifts that God has given this individual and help them cultivate that within the context of the local church, right? That yeah. that is what I think a good transition uh transitional plan if you will or, or or disciples it really is just discipleship is what we're talking yeah. about like it really is it's a it's a practical outflow and a practical end if you will yeah to having a culture of discipleship in your church yeah um you need to help these individuals understand and cultivate and hone the gifts that god has given them and find out specifically where those gifts can be applied to the church yeah and through that, they are conformed more into the image of Christ, brought more into an understanding of how God made them and how they can serve the church yeah. and not how you are just kind of basically taking them as a person and say, okay, you're going to be, it's, you know, it's me and Minnie me, right? I'm yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger and you're Danny DeVito, <laughs> right? And, and Twins? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's how, and that's how, you know, that that's how this is going to work. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, for pastors... They're going to preach different than you. Yeah. They're going to teach different than you. Yeah. They're going to go about making decisions different than you. Yeah. Don't feel threatened by that. 
don't feel like you're somehow losing something that you have worked so hard to cultivate because God will use his spirit to shape and mold and send the church in directions that he wants it to. And he does that by cultivating different leaders to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I think to starting a process, a track, if you will. Yeah. So you got to start by, you know, what's your elder track look like? And when I say track, it means like, how are you, like from when they become a church member in your local church and they're dedicated to your local church, when is that point of a session and maybe timeline? Because I don't think it's helpful when we have like a track like that, like let's say, you know, they're they're a member and then they're sought after for leadership and then now they're a leader. And then they start, we start evaluating if they're a good person to aspire towards eldership. And then we obviously, we, we will start to have some conversations with the congregation to bring them into an understanding of, hey, have you guys seen, you know, so-and-so be pastoral in these different ways and how has that impacted you i think we can't put like a it's a three-year this is a three-year thing i think you got to make it faster than that yeah that's just I mean, my opinion sure especially yeah. if your timeline is short i think it all depends too on on how many people you have kind of on your your bench so to say of pastoral sure, team sure, sure. or your or your uh, plurality of elders and then also what are those guys' timelines are they going to retire anytime soon right or hey what's that look like and so yeah it, it's the it's the challenge of finding a good a good place in the middle because a lot of guys that want to be in ministry and I'm, I mean, I, I, I was definitely one of these guys. A lot of guys that want to be in the ministry have all the zeal and all the drive and none of the experience and wisdom. Yeah. And they think that they're ready to leave the church right now, you know? Yeah. So it is, yes, you do not want your process to last so long. Yeah. Um, you know, you're not putting them through seminary, right? But you also want there to be enough time to be able to cultivate and really deem whether or not this person is right to be in church leadership right because just because somebody may be able to preach well um and wants to be in ministry right doesn't necessarily mean that that's a good fit for them yeah you know what i'm saying i think i think we've seen often what happens when people are put into positions of leadership based on talent alone yeah and not qualifications yeah right um so you want to be careful that uh, that's the other side of that yeah. right 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 you want you want there to be a good balance of not just dragging this out forever yeah. because that's not good or healthy yeah. but also make sure there's enough time to really get to know that individual and really help them along that that path of them discovering kind of what the lord has gifted them in yeah so i'm going to i'm going to read something that's important as well too of how josh and i are going to be more convicted in the elder led model actually from scripture and where we see that there you go so acts 14 is really a great uh, indication of how elders are being kind of raised up in local churches and i will say this in the in the times in which the new testament was written there were churches already in place in towns and cities. So there are congregations like believers who are there 
assembling the ecclesia, if you will, or the ecclesia, the assembly of the saints happening in certain cities. And what you see in Acts 14, especially in like starting in chapter 20 or verse 21 of chapter 14 in the book of Acts is after they had preached the gospel in that town and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the disciples by encouraging them to continue in the faith and by telling them it is necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. When they had appointed elders for them in every church and prayed with fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they have believed. So you see right off the bat that I believe this is not only Paul, but probably, yeah, Paul and Barnabas, really, those two apostles are going around to the churches that don't have elders and they're like, hey, it's good for you that you have elders raised up within your local congregation. And I know I'm going to be not welcomed in this opinion. <laughs> oh boy. But here we go. I will say that Careful, I think that treating a local church like it's a business in the way of I'm just going to go get some guy from back east transplant him from there, drop him into our local church and say, okay, he should be able to just pick up off the ground and start running. It's not going to be that easy to be quite honest. Even if they've had familiarity with your local church, it is difficult to come to that conclusion versus Acts 14, where Paul and Barnabas are going around saying, no, there are local churches, aka congregations of people gathered together and we're just going to encourage those congregations to raise up local elders so those local elders can steer that congregation well. I would 100% 100% agree with that opinion. Mm. And this is why. And I, I, I've actually personally experienced this. Yeah. It is very, very difficult. Not impossible, because I have seen it happen. Yeah. I know guys that did the whole, you know... You know, churchstaffer.com apply for the position and they got, and they, you what know, is that Vanderblomen or yeah, something? Yes, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> Vanderblomen. Oh, oh, dude, I have frequented those sites. <laughs> I definitely have. Um, and I have seen it work. Yeah. And I have seen those guys uh, do a great job at integrating. Um, but the ones that have worked well have been the guys who have made it such an intentional decision to integrate with the church as quickly as possible. Yeah. Right? But it is preferable. Yeah. It is so much easier and I think so much so much better. Yeah. That the leaders of your church, whether they're elders, small group leaders, discipleship, counseling, this is across the board men and women. Yeah. Understand that God has put those leaders in your church. Yeah. They're there. Yeah. I believe they are. Yeah. They need to be found, identified, and cultivated. Yep. Like, like a vegetable. Like, baby. like vegetables. <laughs> you gonna be like chopped ear, up like and an put ear of into corn. the entree of God's plate. Look at, at you. the feast oh of my the God. lamb. How, baby. how how far can we take that analogy? <laughs> Let's keep going. No, um, it is so much better if you can find the future leaders of your church within your church yeah because they understand the people they know the people yeah they've been with the people 
They know where the church struggles and they know where the church uh, does well and excels. They yeah. know the pitfalls of the church. They know the 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 interworkings of the people there. Like they know the people who are who are their their assets and their allies, and they yeah. know the individuals that you kind of have to watch out for, you know, because yeah. they're a little off, you know. I mean, yeah. not, not, not trying to be ungracious, but yeah. but every church has them, right? Yeah, sure. They understand those things, yeah. and they're able to much more naturally uh, integrate into that role because they've been part of that church for so long. Yeah, right. Doing the whole, you know, let's put an application out there and take candidates and see if we can bring somebody in. Not impossible, but yeah. so difficult. Yeah. Not only for that individual, not only for the person you're bringing in, but also for the congregation. Yeah, they don't know this person. Yeah, you know, like they don't know this guy. They don't know this lady. You know, yeah. if it's a director position or something like that, like yeah. they don't know them. Yeah, that trust and that relation, like what is needed in order to have a good and solid relationship, that takes time, and it's mm. not going to happen. Yeah, very. Uh, it's not going to happen easily. Just bringing somebody in. Yeah. Right. It depends too upon the timeline that you have in having those conversations too, where you are maybe raising up elders in your local church. What's your timeline of the congregation having input on that elder and weighing in on their candidacy, so to say, and where you're saying, Hey church, are you trying to fast track them or are you trying to purposely have those maybe month or months in which you're purposely not trying to force replication or growth or even kind of strength within your local church, but you're, you're kind of nudging that lovingly along to say, Hey, let's have these conversations. Let's start this process. If you don't know them, challenge them, test them. That's all what, scriptures kind of point back to but then on top of it as well you can take some biblical principles from the person of king david and kind of how you raise up elders so when the the thing about king david which is so interesting is that he was of the people by the people for the people and he was a king now i'm not saying elders need to have kingly that same mentality of being a king that does a completely other episode we are maybe. kings oh no 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 no, no. we do are this. lords no, don't do it kings no. of our don't castles anyway so it's like I wouldn't call elders kings or anything like that I would just say hey how the biblical principle in King David was is he was of the people by the people for the people he loved the people he fought for the people he was being he cultivated flourishing amongst the people and everything like that. That's what I think an elder should do in your local church is he should be of the people of the congregation, knows the congregation, knows what's going on within the congregation by like for the congregation, by the congregation. So yeah, the congregation needs to be able to, I believe be part of that process. Right. And, 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 and that's, that's part of the process is that, they're able to look at this man or look at this woman that's being, you know, cultivated for, you know, yeah. whatever the position is. Yeah. Be like, we know this person. Yeah. We affirm this person. Yeah. We have walked. We have watched this person walk. Yeah. We affirm their character. We affirm their qualification. We affirm that they love Jesus and they love the church. Right. Yeah. You can't do that if you don't have that culture of discipleship in your church. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's just not going to work. Yeah. Right. So, and I realize there are outliers. 
you're a small church, sometimes there's not qualified people in the church. I completely understand. There are instances where you got to you got to reach out. But I would say work your hardest. Do your best. Be moving toward getting to that point. Yeah. To where you can be cultivating those leaders within your church. I will say this, there is a local church within the area that I know of that they had some they had an elder team and then that those elders were kind of retiring and then uh, they were a part of that church for a long time growing up. They're either themselves or their their future wives were part of that church. And then they came back during that time of transition. It's like, hey, we know these people and they know us from every from these parts, even though we may have been, um, you know, distance for a period of time. But they know me and they can challenge me on these things and they know this person. So but then they came back to that church and started to and then got raised up as elders and started leading in this kind of elder led plurality model that we kind of know and love. So, yeah, I mean, that's one example of how that could happen. Like what you said, they have had previous time in that church, so they know the people. The hard time that we're going to experience right now going forward with churches is that there is so much turnover from 2020 going into 2021 that there is just a ton of new people. That's true. And it may take a year or two or more start cultivating relationships in a new church that you found that you have found yourself in versus where you were based upon your convictions and how I either start making relationships or get built up in those certain tracks of leadership or maybe you're aspiring to eldership or whatnot. So yeah. yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly right. Yeah. If, uh, and when, when that mentality is there, when that culture is there, the church, the church is blessed yeah, they are very, very blessed uh, to be able to have leaders in the church that, like you were saying, are of that church. Yeah, is such a blessing to the people. Yeah, um, and it's such a testament to 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 how how Christ and His Spirit how how the Spirit continue on the church, right? Like it's such a beautiful picture yeah. to see. How, you know, these men and these women who are leading in different ways, their race is done. But look, look how the spirit has provided. The church yeah. marches on. Yeah. The church continues. Yeah. Uh, like what what a testament to see that model and to see that that theological reality, that spiritual reality yeah. manifest itself physically in the church. It's huge. Yeah. Like it's really great to, to, to actually see that practically work out. Yeah. So. Yeah. Culture of discipleship, be on the lookout. God God has those individuals there. Yeah. Be be cultivating them, be bringing them in, and be training them to fulfill the, the mission that the Lord has given them and that he's equipped them to do, whatever that is. It's going to look different depending on their gifts. Yeah. But I think we would do well to begin to kind of come back to that instead of just kind of like, oh, well, you know, we can put an app out and we'll see who we get. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think, too, just having the mindset that God is moving and God is going to provide for you in these different ways. And he will do that in your local church and of your local congregation. He might do that outside of that through the whole church or the whole position search thing. But I think most likely he's going to do that within your local body. And 
I guess if you're a pastor or a leader, be very attentive to that of who exhibits these very uh, kind of leadership traits. I think one of them absolutely has to start off with humility and love and compassion. And then also to a certain extent of just showing up and making relationships and being known. Those are, I think, some some first importances to kind of look out for if you're a leader who's looking for other leaders to cultivate and raise up within your local church. So, yeah, and there's a lot of resources out there for you. You know, I mean, I, I'm sure. You know, I'm sure the hesitancy for some is like, well, you know, I just don't know how to do this. Yeah. Right. How do you how do you begin doing this? Nine Marks has a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. Nine Marks is great. Some of the resources that uh, uh, Jack mentioned at the beginning of uh, the program really really good really really beneficial to help kind of kickstart this mentality and to help you identify those people within your church yeah so there's plenty of resources out there for you uh we would highly encourage you to take advantage of those and start uh start cultivating those leaders within your church because i believe they're there yep yeah absolutely they are you might have to take some time and find out those uh those diamonds in the rough per the se diamonds <laughs> in the rough that's i don't feel like a diamond jack <laughs> i've never felt like that uh josh your time here on earth is the pressure oh that will so make you a diamond i'm in the rough right now is what you you're are saying. in the process of being made a diamond okay okay <laughs> Isn't that that new like Hawk Nelson song? He's making diamonds. I don't diamonds. listen to Christian music, so I don't know. Yeah, what that is. I <laughs> all I know is my wife was a huge Hawk Nelson fan back when they were like punk rock. Yeah, and then they got like a new lead singer and completely trashed it. Is what she said. It's like yeah. it's not even Hawk Nelson. Yeah. So I don't know if that's true. If we have any Hawk Nelson fans, let us know if we're right. <laughs> um, but that's what my wife tells me. So yeah. I'm gonna go with true until uh, found out <laughs> otherwise. So uh, Jack. We're, thankfully, we're not watching soccer anymore. But I am getting reruns no, of, back to the Mariners, of the Mariners yes. getting a no-hitter thrown against them today. Yeah. So don't like that either. <laughs> don't know which is worse. I kind of miss the crew cut models uh, writhing on the floor uh, at, at, at this point. <laughs> Why don't you get us out of here, man? So if you appreciate our, our vacillations, our discussions about how you could possibly build up leaders within the church or our local church focus of this podcast, uh, you can follow us on any kind of social media outlet, really. Uh, we are on the Tweaker. Yep. The little bluebird site. Yep. We are on the Instagram. Yep. We do lives. We We've do. been doing lives on the Instagram, Instagram. lives. And then we also have the Facebook, if you will. We're not on TikTok. I don't even. I feel even, like we should get a TikTok. What don't do even. Reformatory TikTok. Don't even go there, bro. Local church TikTok. No. I don't know if we can do that. Dude, I think it'd be big. I don't think it would. I mean, I mean, it's not banned anymore, right? Like, like we can, <laughs> I can download it. I can it's download it. Yeah. Reformatory TikTok. No. Mm. We'll think about it. Whoever are our Generation Z and Millennials, yeah, yeah, we need we need your feedback on if we should make it. I feel like we should pitch not. that up to upper management. Yeah, uh, yeah. Pro, uh, I don't which, know if that's what we, the people want. Which is our wives. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really. Or go our wives. Yeah. Like, what do you think? <laughs> Jack and I getting on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, dude, it'd be big. Survey says. Survey wrong. says maybe. Uh, fine, whatever. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have. We don't have a TikTok, but we do have a Patreon. Yes, we do. Which is basically the same thing. 
for the low, low price of $5 a month, you could become a patron for us. You could support us, come alongside us, and help us cultivate uh, a local church centrality within the podcast verse, the podverse. And we would greatly appreciate it. And if you do so, we promise our vow to you is your name will be hallowed. Hallowed. Hallowed through hallowed. the halls of the podverse. Yes. And Jack, the big Eva has sung. So we done. <laughs> We're bringing that back again. Uh, you know, trying to keep it fresh. <laughs> you know, bring it back every once in a while. That's right. Uh, yeah. We thank you all for listening. And we will catch you on the next step of... The Reformatory. (laughs)